pop up in the corner. Um, let's see. An error occurred. Hang on, but it shows that I'm I'm going live. Oh, on LinkedIn. All right, that's cool. But you know what? We're still live on Facebook. We're still live on YouTube. But what is up, everybody? Uh, listen, today is such an honor to be sitting here with my mate, Braden Elliott, man, DAO, Kawasaki, BSB team. We actually met at Cadwell. I always want to call it Codwell, the us Americans, right? But it's Cadwell. Um and I approached him. I was like, Brayden, dude, what an honor. I'm a fan, you know, and then we had a little chat and I invited him on the podcast and boom, here we are. So what an honor, Brayden. What is up? No, thanks for having me, Matt. It's cool. Um, no, it was great to meet you at Cadwell. And yeah, I know we've been trying to get this happening for a little while now. So it's uh, yeah, pleasure to sit down and have a chat with you for sure. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Listen, again, the honor is all mine. So, yeah, it's, it's, listen, I can't wait. So, we're going to go ahead and, and jump into this one. Um, you know, I've been trying to get more Americans into to British Superbike because, and I tell everybody this, Brady, and I told you this, you know, uh, personal chats we've had that it's my favorite series simply because that they, um, Man, y'all super bikes don't have all the PlayStation Xbox electronics on it. So it's the old, more of an old school proper way of, of road racing, right? So um, to me, that's that's why it's my favorite and it, it's everything. So I'm trying to, you know, get more Americans involved because um, you're missing out on such a beautiful sport um, as far as BSB goes, right? But anyway, enough of that. Why don't you tell your story? How, how did Braden actually get into motorcycles to begin with? Uh, just depending on how far back you want to go. Um, look, bikes have been a part of my life, my whole life, honestly. Um, grew up in a very small country town in Australia, um, which is kind of typical way into dirt track is being on the farm, having bikes, all that type of thing. Uh, my pop had land. Uh, my dad is into bikes. Um, he was never like racing or anything, but just into bikes in general. So, yeah, I think when I was kind of two or three year old, um he fitted me up some training wheels on a peewee 50 out of my pop's farm um yeah just learned all the basics and just having fun riding bikes um and then yeah from there i had my first ever race at four years old doing dirt back in oz um so as i say it's been in my life like forever um and then pretty much just went through the ranks so dirt track um probably up until i was about like 17 18 i'm gonna say um and that was kind of every weekend like we yeah we're traveling all over australia um for the early years dragging my sister along as well but otherwise just yeah me mom and dad um yeah in the ute trailer in the back and off we went so yeah that was like um state level stuff australian championships all of that all the way through um and i was also doing speedway at the time so i got into that in oz when i was probably like nine years old i started racing speedway um and yeah the plan was to be honest was to try and become a speedway racer that was the plan to come over to england at some point um and try and yeah make it as a as a speedway rider um but yeah sort of i changed direction a little bit later in my life and i start road racing until quite late but yeah um that was kind of how i got started anyway on this on this whole journey that's awesome so what was the transition like from speedway to road racing was it difficult or uh, pretty seamless it was it wasn't too bad like I think dirt track is a good way to get started. Like um, the bike skills, everything else is like it teaches us so much. And obviously I had kind of a good grass, like 15 or more years of doing that before I jumped on the road bike. Um, so all the sort of bike skills were there. Obviously 
racing skills. I was used to racing against people and um, competition and stuff. So then it was just like a transition between sort of learning new skills and adapting. Um, one of the things that I was really fortunate with at the time, um, we'd built up a bit of a relationship with Suzuki Australia and called Phil Tayton, who was running the Suzuki Australia um, Superbike team for many years. And he'd just come off the back of winning the Superbike Championship a bunch of times, his team. Um, and we already knew him from the dirt track side of things. So I had a good connection straight away before I even started road racing. Um, my first ever bike was one of his practice bikes, got a 600 from him, and, yeah, was just having a bit of a muck about on it. And one of his riders, Sean Giles, um, three-time Australian Superbike champion, um, he'd recently retired. So the connections were kind of there even before I started. So the one thing I was really lucky with was, um, like, my first kind of serious sort of, uh, track days, club meetings, that sort of thing. I had real people around me, so Phil came to the track to give us a hand. Um, Giles, he was there to give me a, a hand coaching. And it was kind of like I went from nothing and knowing nothing about road racing to having probably the best crew chief in Australian road racing history with me. And, um, yeah, three-time Superbike champion there as my coach. And, yeah, like I... I sat on a road bike for the very first time in 2013, or the tail end of 2013. Um, I had my first year racing 2014. And then, yeah, 2015 was when I won the Australian Championship. So the, it happened so quick. Um, but it was honestly because I was around good people, just really sped the process up. If I had to do it on my own and had no idea, like it would have taken me ages to try and learn the skills involved. Well, <clears throat> Uh, first off, to win a championship that quick, that just speaks volumes of your talent right there, right? Um, and, and it's also uh, very important to have a good team, a good, good team structure around you, right? Where you walk in the garage, everybody's friendly all the time. You know, tensions get high in, in situations. It's just part of the sport. But, man, your journey, bro, was – dude, that's proper, man. Yeah, through a leg, then bam, there it is, right? So uh, what made you want to transition from Australia to, to England? um at the time like the main thing was i wasn't overly content just like setting my future in australia and just sort of going okay i'm going to try and like reach the best of australian superbikes and and stay there and do it again and do it again and do it again and like even though that's an amazing thing to achieve and it's definitely got its perk the lifestyle being at home sunshine family all the rest it's a it would be a nice thing to do but I was had won the Supersport Championship reasonably quick. I had one year on the Superbike, which also went quite well considering. Um, and I just thought um, I was already like no 21 at that stage. Um, and I thought I need to, yeah, I want to make more of this. I want to, I want a future out of this elsewhere. I want to challenge myself against the best people in the world on the like the hardest tracks, and I want to see how far I can go here. And I kind of had the mindset that. If everything failed and it was just the biggest disaster in the world, I could still come back and race in Australia. Like, if, even if it didn't all pan out, it doesn't matter if it's in five years' time or if it was the year after, I could still come back. The Australian Championship was still going to be there. My family's going to be there. Like, it, it was all going to be okay, so I might as well give it a crack. Um, yeah, and to be honest, initially I wanted to come to America because I, uh, I had some racing there in 2016 and loved it. I probably liked the, uh, liked the lifestyle than what, I did the race and like it was just a cool place to be i really enjoyed it um and then i didn't know a lot about the british championship but 
I knew it was regarded as like the toughest domestic series in the world. Um, and yeah, to be honest, to get initially, what I really wanted to do at the time, they were still running the, the European Super Stock 1000 Championship or the World Super Stock 1000 Championship. Um, and my plan was, I thought, right, yeah, I'll go over and do a year or two in BSB Stock 1000, um, get a taste of what it's like to live away from home um, and, yeah, what it's like to be in another country competing. And then once I kind of understand that, move on and hopefully try and do the European Championship. And when I moved over, they announced that the European Championship was going to be scrapped at the end of that year. That was no longer going forward. Um, and I also never anticipated for BSB to be as big as what it is and as hard as what it is. Um, and then, yeah, my sights kind of got a little bit changed because I thought this is like, I can see why people come here and stay here for their whole career because it's a special championship. So absolutely it is. BSB is magical. Uh, so everybody knows Codwell Park is my favorite racetrack on the planet. Like hands down, yes. bars none. Um, what was the feeling like for you the first time you seen it and then actually rode it? Um, I, I, I've done a lot of watched a lot of laps, watched a lot of races and everything, but nothing does it justice until you're there. And you see how narrow it is and and everything else. And I don't know, to be honest, like when we race around some of the tracks in Oz, like maybe Morgan Park's a good example of there's a close wall and everyone like complains about it and people have got hurt there and it needs moving and all this sort of stuff. And I was definitely the sort of rider before I came here to complain about that sort of thing. And then when I seen Cadwell, I was like, I would never complain about a track in Australia ever again <laughs> because this is absolutely crazy. Um I enjoyed it. I went there for a track day um, before I raced it, and I quite enjoyed that. But to be honest, when I got there for the first time, I ever raced it, and like it was fun at the track day. It was like you were just doing your thing, and then when you're sitting on the grid with forty other bikes, and like you've seen it, you know how narrow it is and how no roof error. Um, I can't say I enjoyed it as much, but I had a massive crash there the first time I raced there, and um, yeah. It, definitely left its scars um, physically and probably mentally. So I wouldn't say it's my favorite track, but it's something I've tried to overcome in previous years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, <clears throat> as you said, man, it's everybody that's never been and that watches it on TV. I'm telling you, it's literally like this wide. Um, <clears throat> I went on a Wednesday. I met up with uh, two mates at, at Peter Hickman's place. He had a bike night. And we became yeah. friends. And so they took me, yeah, was it Thursday? No, it was Thursday. Either Wednesday or Thursday, they took me. And uh, first thing I went, I was like, I'm going to go straight to the mountain jump, right? And I walked straight over there. And it was a track day going on, too, as well. And, uh, yeah, mind blown, right? It was like, are you kidding me? And, of course, I went. So from there, from the mountain, when I'm standing there where the bleachers are, I went all the way to the left. So that's what turned one of the last turns but before the straightaway. Um, yeah, go through whole bends and stuff, yeah. Yes, uh, and it just blew my mind how narrow it was. And it's so it's kind of like a, a little like road race, like an Isle of Man TT-esque kind of section through there, right? Because it's, it's so narrow. You literally got tire barriers, I mean, feet away from you, right? I mean, it's super close. Uh, and so I'm out there and I'm watching Friday – I see all the classes go out, right? And I'm like, holy shit, my mind was blown already, right? And here comes you legends that you are on these super bikes. And my mind was even more blown. 
And uh, of course, I stand at the jump, right? And I was just, it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. On, on absolutely the most beautiful thing. And then I walked down what were the section was you just said, and uh, it was. It's hard for me to even talk about it, man, and put into words how amazing it is and how fast. Like the super stock guys go out, right? And I'm like, man, they're balling. Then you guys go out and you guys go to a whole nother level than the super stock guys. I mean, it's insane how fast you guys are. I was yeah, blown it's, away. It's crazy considering how tight that section of track is. And as I say, like no runoff. Um, it's crazy how fast it actually is considering. Yeah. <laughs> it's a wild bit of track. It, it, it's man it's the best track in the world it really is you know in the history of it too right they still got the original house and you know the dad and the two sons and the farm you know and all, all that good stuff man it was just uh it's just it, it's one of those magical places that you got to physically be there to feel the the energy right mm. um and then that makes you even understand it even more um mm, yeah yeah so every time i see it i'm just like oh god i miss it i miss cadwell so much i, I love the uk i loved it over there and i can't wait to come back but listen enough of that uh so you landed in england right so uh who was your first team you rode with uh getting into bsb and how did so that season over, go uh, yeah so i moved up to ride for a team called CF motorsport um so basically when i first come over partner Eliza and I moved over together um neither of it was like a mad start because neither of us had one never lived together before um we'd only been together for kind of or not even a year and she was living in like Melbourne kind of Phillip Island and I'm living like nine hours away from her so there was some mad stuff going on because we obviously arrived together not knowing how we were going to find that um nothing but a 30 kilo suitcase each to our name um yeah and it was my first time ever living away from my parents or out of my, my home or anything um rocked up we lived in a share house initially so it was us and another couple um and we moved to derby just we looked at a map before we come over and yeah it was for the tracks it was quite close to the team that i was riding for and i was like right we're moving to derby um, obviously never been before and kind of just booked everything online and just, yeah, had a crack. Um, got a hire car at the airport from London, drove in and we're here. Um, so yeah, no, CF Motorsport, that was their first year, I believe in stock thousand and it was the first year they'd run the R1. Um, I'd also never ridden the R1 before. So it was a, a bit of a change. They'd have some really big success in Supersport. Um, I think they might have even finished on the podium in a world super sport race as a wild card. So they were, yeah, a great team. Um, and yeah, a team that I'm still friends with today. They're really nice people. And yeah, unfortunately it wasn't the year more so from my point, it was, it was difficult. Um, I'd come over not really understanding much about the championship or the level. And I would say I was definitely extra confident to think I was just going to come here and concrete in my first year. Um, I'd come off the back winning a lot of races in super sport. My first year on a super bike back home had gone quite well. So I kind of thought I'll come here, clean up in my first year and get on with the job and like off we go. And to be honest, it started off like nearly too well. So I turned up to Donington Park for my first ever race. Um, first race on the R1, first time ever at Donington Park. And as we've seen in stock thousand, we only get um, like two 25 minute practice sessions. So it's not a lot of time to get yourself 
up to pace when everyone's on kind of like record from the second, third lap. Um, yeah, and I qualified third for my first ever race, and it, yeah, it was crazy. Um, but at the time, that's where I expected to be, so I was like, well, yeah, that's what I was thinking anyway. Um, race was quite good. I think I finished eighth in my first race, made some mistakes, but it was solid race to get the year underway. Um, and then from that point, to be honest, it was just a downhill roller coaster. When we started to go into tracks like Alton Park, Cadwall, Knock Hill, all these places that I'd never seen, um, I was going there with a bucket load of confidence. And basically, like I say, in two 25-minute practice sessions, trying to learn and understand a track like Alton Park um, when you don't know it and trying to be up to pace that quickly and have a lot of expectation. Basically, I was just making mistakes. I didn't respect the tracks enough. I didn't understand the tracks enough. And I just started cracking. And, yeah, before I moved to England, I could probably count on one hand the amount of times I'd had a crash on a road bike. Um, and some weekends I was having two crashes a weekend and destroying bikes, destroying my confidence. And by the end of 2017, I'd gone from qualifying for my first race in third. Um, and I think I qualified 36 for the last race that year. So it, to be honest, it was just a downward spiral. I think I had three concussions that year. Hurt myself a lot. Uh, struggled immensely with sharing a house with other people, living away from home. And just the whole combination of everything that year just, yeah, it nearly broke me my first year. To be honest, it was hard, really hard. Yeah, that that's a lot of stress to take on. You know, with everything you just said, cumulatively, all at one time, right? New series, new tracks, new people, new place. Uh, don't really know nobody, right? So, uh, Brayden, what what's the most difficult part for you to show up and learn a new track? Um, I think because tracks are so quirky over here, like the blind crest. Say, if I'm comparing somewhere like Old Park, the the blind crest is one thing, but how fast they are is another thing. Like you've got fifth gear sort of blind crest there where when you start to know every bump and every crack and you know where you're tipping in and maybe something that you're aiming for in the distance, them sort of things, there's a lot of time to be gained and lost in areas like that. Um, the way that the guys here use like every millimeter of the track area is pretty sketchy. Um, and when you don't really know the tracks or you might know them to an extent, but learning where you can pinch sort of a little bit here and a little bit there and run the white line or all these little things takes time. So yeah, it's one thing kind of learning it, but to go fast and to go as quick as what everyone is, that's quite difficult to find that extra step. Um, and to be honest, for me, that's just taking time. I've still got a big chunk to go, but it's just taking time on the tracks here to really understand that. Yeah. I, I guarantee you, man, especially, uh, BSB tracks, man. They're just uh, they're they're different and they're mental. And there's that's what makes them so unique and special, right? So, <clears throat> did you watch like any onboard videos or play any PlayStation or Xbox games to to try to get to know the tracks beforehand? Yeah, so I'm not much into like PlayStation, and Xbox, Snap, but I definitely watch like I don't know how many hours of onboard video. Um, so yeah, before I actually moved over, I already had like a little folder with every track map that I was going to go to. And I'd spent just days and days and days just watching videos, writing notes, just any remote kind of reference point could find a video and change your gear, change patterns and all that sort of stuff I already had in my head before we arrived there. But um, yeah, it's always different when you get there. Like I've just ridden at Hareth a few weeks ago and I basically done the same thing for that. And 
it's one thing kind of having a vision in your head and maybe like visualizing it and thinking about it and understanding it. But then when you're going through a turn like fourth gear or fifth gear on it and everything's coming at you quick, it's like this doesn't feel how it did when I was watching on YouTube. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> this don't feel like the PlayStation game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, de- I spend a lot of time doing that, to be honest. It's something I really put a lot of effort into. Yeah, yeah, I bet, right? So how was Hareth, man? How, how was riding that track? Awesome, yeah. It was really cool. Um, I actually went there in 2017. We first, when I jumped on that R1, we went there to, to ride it, but the weather was crap, and we just, it didn't really happen. So, um, yeah, this is my first, like, proper go there. And, yeah, it was awesome. And I was in some good company as well. Like, there was some... Yeah, some fast boys there and being on track with them is really cool. Yeah, it's awesome, man. You know, Jerez is such a legendary track too, you know, and, and such mega battles they've had over the years uh yeah. with in in all classes of racing, right? It's a it's a good spectator track, I think. Not as far as I don't know, I've never been there like physically being there, but watching it on TV it, it produces some really, oh, really yeah. good oh, it is. For sure. Yeah, it does. So okay, so from uh, your first time here in the super stock. How did you and DAO Kawasaki, h- how did this family come together? Um, so basically from the year after like 2017, after my first year with um, CF Motorsport, I was kind of on a bit of a weird journey, to be honest with you. Um, so because that ride was finished at the end of that year and I, I went on to do some other stuff, which didn't really work out. Just a, a whole another conversation. But um Throughout a chunk of 2018, I was kind of left on the sidelines. I I really didn't want to go back to Australia because I felt like I had more to give here. I didn't arrive here, um, didn't really have the funds and everything else. So I missed quite a few rounds. Uh, I was just trying to work out what I could do to get on a racetrack. Um, and, yeah, like life was not the best over here. Like we moved into a one-bedroom flat, I was borrowing cars, and it was, it was just a rubbish kind of period, to be honest with you. It just wasn't great. We are working. I was actually working two jobs at the time. I like work and it's just hard. And um, the only option I had to get back on a racetrack was to try and do my own thing. So I had good, good contacts with Suzuki Australia um, and all of my contacts were still there. I hadn't really met that many people at this stage in England. So uh, I got boxes and boxes of stuff sent over from Oz to build myself my own stock thousand. Um, saw the bike here. Um, and yeah, I'm a bike mechanic by trade. So I basically went to a bike dealership. They'd let me use a bike bench at night time or after hours. I did a bit of a deal with them, borrowed tools, all sorts of stuff, built my own stock thousand. Um, and then pretty much went racing. Yeah. It was like me, Eliza, my mate, Ted. Um, and yeah, some people helped me along the way, definitely. And to be honest with you, like doing what I was doing, I would have struggled to be competitive at a club championship, let alone BSB. It was like, I just I was trying everything I could do to be at the track, but looking back on it now, it, it wasn't going to work. Like the budget, the bike, the spares, everything we were doing, it was just very low level stuff, but yeah. it was all with the, um, and then over the years that followed running my own team, it just built in each year. So, um, like going from sort of, the three of us to then getting some other boys in to help mechanic of a weekend um, to me sort of get my own bit of workshop with a sponsor and have my own base to work out of and all them sort of things just started to flow into the picture. Um, I managed to get a great sponsor 
um, for quite a few years and it really helped me out massively and like pretty much turned my career around to be honest. So we made the transition to go from Suzuki to Honda for the 2022 season. Um, and that was a real big turning point for me. I, I felt like it was the first time ever in my career in England that it was like, right, I've, I know I've got a bike that can win. I've got good people around me. I was building the bike. I was still crew chiefing it myself and doing my own suspension, my own electronics, all that sort of stuff. But I had enough going on around me that I, I went in thinking, actually, do something here. Um, and yeah, like we went to round one, um, quickest in practice, uh, finished second in the race. And it just kind of went. So 2022 was an awesome year. My first ever race win, um, handful of podiums. Yeah. And it was, it was cool to be honest, because I know what we're up against with some of the teams and stuff down and their, their proper teams. Um, and you're rocking up in a van with some volunteer mates and, and all the rest of it, the bike that I'm building myself and winning a race and podiums. It was like, pretty cool. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's bro, that's awesome, man. Like building your own super. I mean, how difficult was it doing that crew chiefing and and, because Kyle Wyman did that out here. Uh have you you heard of Kyle Wyman? He had he he, yeah, yeah, he raced a Ducati out here and he did the same thing. Well, he wasn't his own crew chief, but he he was he still was the driver and and you know he wasn't solely just the rider, right? So how difficult was it? Obviously it seemed pretty easy, uh, 2022 for you. Right. Um, but how much fun was it doing that? Like doing your own data, setting your own suspension up. Um, cause it adds a different, uh, level to the game because it, it takes your mind away from your race craft too. Right. Thinking about this and that, because you got to dedicate your time elsewhere. Right. Definitely. And, uh, to be honest, like even though 2022 was as good as it was results wise, um i was pretty much in the mindset at the end of that year that i couldn't do it again like physically mentally everything of that situation i was destroyed and i didn't i didn't feel i could actually repeat that again because it was just i was burnt out like um from every aspect of it to be honest because it was like or everything possible to run a team finding the budget securing the sponsors working out what i needed to build the bike building the bike um like everything and even down to like i got say the hrc ecu and um yeah the bike mechanic bike trade that doesn't mean i know how to program an ecu and all the rest of it so we went back to oz for christmas and i remember sitting there for much the whole like 24 hours in the plane and just reading manuals from front to back on how to do this and how to do that and trying to teach myself what to actually do to join this bike um and then me and my mate drove out to spain um, and I spent like four days on track, trial and error. I tried something, did it work? Did it make it better? Did I like it? And it was just purely me, bike, computer, and just seeing did I like it or not. Um, but it was hard. Like we'd go from having such high on a on a Sunday and finishing on the podium, whatever. And then I was like, all right, trying to pack down, trying to load everything in. We had way too much stuff to try and fit it in a van, so you'd get like halfway through it and it was like, it's gonna fit, let's unload it, try it again. And it was a bit of a nightmare. It's like, obviously, all the stuff that people don't see, I guess, like you get back home early hours of the morning, go to the workshop, unload, come home, unload, a few hours sleep. And then I was really, I still am now, but I was crazy scheduled because it was the only way that I could fit it in. So 
yeah, it was like Monday morning, certain amount of hours, data from the weekend, work out what I need to order, what I need to do, how is this going to happen? A um, few hours to train, get into the workshop, and yeah, workshop from whenever it needed to be, whatever time of night. Basically repeat that every day, load up again, go to the next meeting. And yeah, sometimes, like I say, it was massively enjoyable to, to get the reward of being on the podium and probably more so because I knew what was involved in getting there. But after kind of minutes of feeling the high of that, you're kind of back to reality going, how are we going to turn this around and get back on track the following weekend? Or especially if there was a crash, not that I had many, but if there was crashes involved, it really stressed me out to think, how am I going to fix this or what am I going to do? Um, and yeah, a few of the boys helped me, to be honest, really stepped it up that year to, to do more than what I ever asked them to do when I had them kind of situations to really help me out. So yeah, it was rewarding, but it was incredibly hard. I, I, I guarantee it, you know, in the whole ECU electronic going down this rabbit hole alone is uh, way over my pay grade. That, that's what I always call it, man. That's way over my pay grade, right? It's, uh, there's a lot going on there, man. So uh, 2022 Honda CBR 1000 RRRRRRR, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, and then so – did you approach DAO or, or did they approach you or how did that um, work? So basically, I, I guess I made it fairly open at the time that I was definitely looking for a potential change or a different direction in my career to go from being this team owner to actually just being a rider. Um, and thankfully, I knew my results at the time were kind of putting me in a window of maybe interest. Um, I'd heard that Dow Racing were maybe thinking about running a stock bike and expanding their team. Um, so, yeah, a conversation got started. Um, and to be honest, from the first conversation, it was kind of like, right, I'm, like when you know, you know, and I kind of felt like yeah, I feel pretty at home here. Um, met the owners, um, actually at a party, which was fun. And then, yeah, like it was just the whole vibe was cool. And I definitely feel like I work best in a, like a family kind of environment, like that's what I had in Australia. That's what I had success doing in my own team when it was just the people around me wanted to be there for the right reasons, not for any other thing. They weren't getting anything from me. So when I was like talking about moving into that team, it was like the owners are doing it because they love it, not because they have to or anything else. All the team there loves it. And I just felt like actually I'm moving into a family here, not just a rider where you're expected to do something and then we'll the next one. And, yeah, just all the things for me there in that regard were definitely, yeah, really, really good and fitted what I wanted. And then, yeah, it's basically taken off from that point. That's awesome. So, and you started out with them in, in the super stock class. And um, didn't you transition like mid year to the super bike, if I'm correct? Yeah. So, yeah. So the plan was was to do the stock thousand for the whole um, of 2023 season. Um, and I guess there was an aspect of that, I think. To try and help the roads campaign a little bit obviously they were really focusing on the td um west and all that sort of stuff at the time as well as bsb so they had a lot going on um and yeah i think hopefully what i was doing in stock thousand at the time was maybe helping their stock campaign at the roads um i definitely like to think it, it did because i think we've come a long way with that bike so yeah it'd be nice if sort of what we've done then bsb rounds transition into helping Dean um, the results he did at the roads and yeah, hopefully played a part in that. But 
that was kind of what was going on at the start of the year, and the plan was to finish the year on the stock bike. Um, and then I think as the season went on, the Rose campaign finished, um, plans were kind of changing for the future. Um, yeah, I basically got the call up to say, if you want to, you can jump on the, the Superbike for the last three rounds of the season. Um, yeah, see how you get on. Um, no he was time. like, wait a minute, let me think about this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like no crazy pressure, just the bikes there. Um, everything about it is right. So, yeah, go and enjoy it. We'll see, yep. see where you're at. Obviously, that has now led to securing the ride for the season. Bro, so, <laughs> Braden, you are just simply amazing, bro. Like, everything, ugh, dude, yes. You, you, you're, I, I don't even know what to say right now. I mean, what? So, let me ask you this. Riding the super stock versus the super bike, the, the, the transition, was there a long transition period between the two? Like, was there a lot more horsepower? I know there's uh, – is there less electronics on the super bike? Yeah, there is, but um, the one thing that was I was kind of lucky with, um, so in stock 1000, without trying to make it too complicated, you can run a kit ECU. Um, obviously, like if you're on the Honda, you can run HRC ECU with all the traction and like it's an unbelievable system. Um, or you can also choose to run MoTeC. If you run MoTeC, you basically have the same as what the Superbike has with no traction, no wheelie, no rider aid. Um, you might have some more adjustability with things like engine brake and other bits and pieces. Um, Dow Racing were running that for the Rose campaign, the MoTeC on the Stock 1000. Um, it obviously made sense for me to use the DSB to help develop that, understand everything. And then, yeah, when Dean was at the Rose, he could jump from the Superbike to the Stock Bike and have similar electronics. So um, for the start of 2023 on the Stock Bike, I'd already been racing all year with, say, Superbike ECU to a certain extent. So I hadn't had any rider aids as it was on the stock bike. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so it wasn't as big as a jump as, say, what it would have been if I jumped on the Superbike earlier that year because I was already kind of used to it. It was just adding in a lot more kind of power, I suppose, into that whole scenario. <laughs> That's... Man, that's proper. That's what I love about BSP right there, right? Because this is everything. This is your tracks control. You know, yeah, you got engine braking and all that. But man, that's uh, that's proper, man. What a story, Braden, man. I, look, I'm excited about your your 2024 uh, adventure, and I tell everybody, uh, every, I, well, I get asked the question, how do I watch BSB? I say it's free. BennettsBritishSuperbike.com. Uh, Look up all the dates and give you the calendar. Uh, when the race comes up, it'll say live. You click on it, boom, the greatest show on earth, right? <laughs> Prepare yourself because it's it's yeah. magical. Yeah, it really is. It's just like uh, my favorite race of the year this year, obviously, Cadwell Park, right? Like, come on, man. Uh, but uh, my favorite last race of the year out of all categories, of course, was, dude, how good was it with Tommy and Glenn? Right, yeah. like, and, and then everything that happened, you know, up to that point, you know, Godspeed Birdie, of course, right, and the whole team, and then Jordan taking over and her brother, and obviously there's a lot of tension uh, with Glenn and Tommy. It's it's obvious. Everybody watching TV, unless you're blind, it, you can clearly see. Uh, but man, that last race, half a point coming down to the wire. I mean, who's gonna win? Who's gonna crash? What's gonna happen? <laughs> Yeah, that was my favorite out of all the series. World Superbike, 
MotoGP, AMA. It's well, Moto America. Excuse me. I'm still used to yeah. AMA back in the day, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> man, proper, right? That's uh, yeah. yeah. So, tw- yeah, it's 2024. Wait, yeah, it is. It is. So, what was your favorite uh, last race of, uh, of the year for any series, excluding BSB because you're part of BSB? I really got into the um, the top rack and Bautista at Jerez, um, the last race there where top rack held him off and then obviously they ditched it because the whole green paint thing. But, yeah, you tell he was just riding the wheels off that R1 and he was just doing anything to win that race. I thought that was probably the most impressive ride I've seen in a long time, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's just be honest. Top rack's one of those um... – He's he's very special and a unique rider in the way that he approaches the corners one and how magical he is on the brakes. I mean, he's it's I, it, it's amazing just seeing how deep he can break and all that. But yeah, you're right. That that was probably my second favorite uh, race of the year because you could tell Top Rack really wanted that last win for Yamaha. Um, yeah, it's a shame he didn't get it to be honest because he deserved it. Yeah, but you know, you go over the green. That, that's the rules, right? You go over the green. That, that, that's... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I like World Superbike. It's uh, next year's going to be proper. I mean, mm. we you got obviously Top Rack on the BM, Ray on the Yamaha. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Axel on the Kawasaki taking race spot. It's, it's going to be proper. And then, then we got movement also in BSB, right? We got Tommy with Honda. Um, yeah. Glenn's going to be with uh, still Paul Bird Motorsport, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not too sure what's going on there and everything. Yeah. But, yeah, I think everyone's waiting to announce on what he's going to be up to. Yeah. And so uh, I think, see, Vickers and – Right, Ray are still going to be with OMG. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's going to be a proper year. I can't wait, man. And and uh, you know, I'm gonna be over here across the pond, hooting and hollering, cheering for you every race weekend. You guys go uh, and texting you, right? I'll be like, mate, bro, blah, 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 yeah. It's uh, yeah, man, it's going to be awesome, man. I hope that uh, I hope you step on that uh, top step and get a bunch of W's, man. I really do. Yeah. No, it's definitely the um, the dream, mate. I think, like, going into, obviously, my first proper superbike season, um, like, I've had three rounds and it better to be, yeah. I think at the moment I'm, I'm learning so much every time I ride it. I was a bit frustrated with the three rounds that I did because I really didn't feel comfortable. I kind of lost a bit of confidence as well, stepping into the class. Um, and, yeah, it was just all, like, a lot going on. Um, I had some small crashes on it and, yeah, it, we just had that test at St. Hareth a few weeks ago and I put me in a lot better headspace to walk away from there going, actually, it's starting to feel like my bike. I'm starting to understand a little bit more. Um, but I think it'll definitely take time. But, yeah, I really look forward to kind of the challenge. Just, yeah, getting the most out of myself, learning and just adapting every time I ride it. So how, how do you – how does Braden mentally prepare himself uh, – before a race like do you listen to a certain type of music or, or do you uh have like special underwear or lucky socks or anything like that um yeah i'm pretty superstitious so yeah like on that like we're on these battle something we do so blue for first place it's just is what it is um i never wear green obviously there's green with kawasaki in the dow racing so 
I don't personally wear green on anything of my socks or anything. I've, that's another story, but I just I don't. Um, so yeah, they're, they're two weird things I do. Um, and otherwise, yeah, I generally quite like kind of just chilling out on my own. Like Eliza will be there when she can, but it'll just be yeah, headphones on. I have a routine of like stretching, warming up, having sort of the same kind of food, whatever. But yeah, I will generally have it. Be polite, but stick to myself. Um, and yeah, headphones off. Like a few minutes before the helmet goes on, but I'm not typically one to be kind of just casually walking around and mucking about and everything. It's not really in my nature too much. So yeah, I'm a bit more kind of, I mean, I've got the blinkers on. I'm thinking about what I'm going to do and uh, yeah, just keep my off really. So what's in the headphones you're listening to as you're preparing and warming up? Oh, I've just lost you from my screen. Oh, you're back again. Sorry. Yeah. No, <laughs> no you're good. Um, sorry. I could hear you. No, um, it depends what I'm listening, like what I'm what I'm vibing at the time. So honestly, anything like a lot of people always ask me, but my playlist can go from anything from like I don't know heavy rock to country to dance music to anything. Like it just depends what I'm feeling on the day, what kind of vibe I'm trying to get into. It always changes, so you know, I'll flick through depending on how I'm feeling. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what's your favorite music? Hmm. Again, I don't really have one. Like sometimes I train to, like I'll literally train to country sometimes. Just feel kind of way. I'll train to new music. I'll listen to like dance music sometimes. Like yeah, I don't really have anything. If I'm going to go and watch like a concert or something, it's like predominantly a rock. Like I know people divides people. Like I've seen Nickelback and the Killers and all that sort of stuff since I've been here. I like that kind of music. Um, but yeah, just whatever really. I don't. I don't mind like any crap. Yeah, I, man, I listen to all kinds of genre music myself. It, it's I'm like you. It depends on really what mood I'm in and what I'm feeling. From country to rap to you, you name it, right? I, I even listen to uh, like I was listening to La Bamba. Man, I forget who sings it. You know, La 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 Bamba, the Mexican music. La 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 Bamba. And my son looks at me. He says, "Why are you listening to this?" I was like, "Dude." This shit jams, bro. What are you talking about? He says, but you're not Mexican, dad. I was like, what does that got to do with what I'm listening to? He's like, well, how do you know what they're saying? I'm like, dude, you just feel the vibe, bro. You just feel the vibe. Go with it, man. Yeah. yeah so I get you on that. I, I get my little weird moves. I play stuff like that. And around me, people are like, what? Yeah. What's this guy listening to over here? Like, like. Yeah, it's uh, uh, that's funny. Yeah, it's awesome, man. But you know, hey, so so you know, uh, man, what, what a magical way to get into racing, uh, and where you at today, Braden? Bravo, 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 man! What a story. So, uh, I want to talk a little bit about what Braden does away from you know motorcycle racing. So, uh, do you have a favorite Netflix series? Oh, nothing at the moment. I've been really. Um not very exciting but obviously being from australia we have a bunch of visa stuff so i've been um, i've been to see a lot of british history exams and all that sort of stuff me and eliza so for the past probably month or two there hasn't been much netflix because we've just been studying british history every night this exam we've had to do um but no i don't mind watching like sometimes it's late and i'm not really focusing on the telly it's just on and it's just kind of there i like watching australian stuff because it makes me feel like I like hearing the accents. It makes me feel a bit at home. Right. Eliza hates it, but I'll put on like <laughs> Snake Hunter, 
called Hunted or um, whatever. There's some ridiculous show like that that I wouldn't watch if I was back home. But over here, I'm like, yeah, I'll put that on. So, yeah, Opal Hunters, <laughs> anything ridiculous. That's awesome, man. I, um, I've i been watching Ted Lasso. Um, All right, okay. Yeah, Ted Lasso. Did I, I've been all involved in, in Ted. Well, that's Apple TV. Uh, Netflix, uh, me and Rossi, my son, he, we started watching the new Squid Games. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Because we watched the first one. Yeah, me too. Me too. And he was like, Daddy, the new one's out. Let's watch it. I was like, all right, you know, let's, let's go on and, and check it out. So um, uh, I have another question. So if you was stranded on an island and you could only have one type of music, Right. What what one one certain singer, one video game, or what movie? So you get one mm. movie, one video game, and one CD. What are they gonna be? Movie is Step Brothers because I never get bored of it. It cracks me out. Brothers, bro. <laughs> he says, You better not wipe your balls on my drums. He's all there like <laughs> I love that, dude. You're right. <laughs> yeah, oh it's funny. Um Music, um, as a go-to, I, I never ever get sick of ACDC. It's I can listen to it in any mood, in any setting, anywhere. So I never get bored of that. Um, and what was the first one? Um, uh, video. If you can only have one video game. Uh, um, to be honest, I've never, I've never got into playing them. The only one that I've like, I don't mind having to play on. If we have people over, sometimes we get the Nintendo out and play like Mario Cups. I quite like that when you have like a few mates around, but that's kind of it. I've never really got hooked on them. Um, yeah, it's probably Mario Cups. <laughs> well, I, I can't say the same. I've, I've been a, a game nerd since, uh, man, I'm getting ready to get, give my age away here, but uh, man, I got the first Nintendo when it first came out, right? With the with Top Gun video game. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude, that was a lot of fun, but my, my dad, I grew up in the Navy. My dad was a fighter pilot, so um, of course he got me Top Gun, right? And that's one of my favorite movies of all time um, is Top Gun. The, the second movie w w was pretty good, too, but um, let me ask you this, Braden. Celebrity crush. To be honest, I don't really have one because we were with friends a while ago and this came up and everyone was talking about it. And I can't honestly not really not really got one. Um, we used to watch the Big Bang Theory a lot of lives to laugh at this. And one of the birds on there, I said that I liked her or something, and then that's been like a running joke for ages that um blonde girl on the Big Bang Theory, but uh, apart from that, I don't really have one to be honest. That's all right. We hey accepted, right? Yeah, because she Kelly. You're talking about Kelly, right? From the Big Bang. And wasn't that her name in there? Yeah, Kelly? yeah. Penny, I think. Penny. Okay, Penny. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'm with yeah. you on that, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's good yeah. stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So um favorite racetrack. Um anywhere or just in England? Anywhere. Your, your all-time favorite. Who? Laguna. Yeah, I raced in Laguna once um, in 2016. I did the, the Moto America Superbike Championship there alongside World Superbikes. Yeah. Um, and that was cool. Like, obviously, it's such an iconic place. But, yeah, it, again, I guess it's a bit like Cadwell. It just has stuff that nowhere else in the world has it. And I think if I could go back anywhere and do it again, um, it'd probably be Laguna. It was pretty cool. 
Yeah. So I've been to Laguna Seca one time. Uh, I went in 2005 when MotoGP first came back. And Yamaha put up all that money to to move the walls out or whatever it is they did to fix the track up for them to come. I forgot what it was. Um, again, it's just like any you know track you see on TV when you get there and you're actually looking up at the corkscrew in the hill. You're like, holy shit! Like it's yeah. TV does it. Even that back section climbing up. For the corkscrew, it's it, it's yeah. a pretty good uh, steep going up. Yeah. yeah, and when I went there as well, something that spun me out was like everyone always talks about the corkscrew, and you have all this like build up for it's turn one, like, turn one, like turn one is just mental, mental, and, yeah. oh, <laughs> so crazy. And I feel like everyone just gets so focused on the corkscrew that you have to appreciate how fast and how crazy that turn actually is. Yeah, because oh, so uh, I play it on video games, and I've only seen it. Well, I've seen it in real life, standing there. But being on a motorcycle, I couldn't imagine what your your fifth gear, fifth gear, right, flat out, and it yeah. goes to the left, and it has a little rise to it, and it's just completely blind. I mean, you can't yeah. see the other side of it. it's crazy. It's uh, no. right. I'm with you on that turn, turn. Yeah. So w- would that be your favorite turn out of all racetracks? Do you have a favorite corner? Um. I don't particularly have one. I I do like probably turn three at Phillip Island. Like Stoner Corner is pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's just fun. It's just a, a cool I bit bet. of racetrack. Yeah. Dude, Phillip Island's one of uh, in my top three favorite racetracks in the world. Phillips, it's uh, what a magical place that place is, right? And how fast it is. It's, it's, uh, yeah, yeah it's crazy. So, uh, favorite MotoGP rider? Um, current or just ever? Ever. Um, probably Lorenzo, which I know divides people, but yeah, no, I'm, I've always been a Lorenzo fan. Nice, nice. Okay, the podcast ended now, but no, I'm just playing. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, nah, man, listen, I was a big Rossi fan, of course, you know, the clash with yeah. Lorenzo, but um, it was good for the sport. It, it was because it key, it drove people, it, it people gravitated towards that, right? Um, uh, yeah. it was. Man, Lorenzo, smooth like butter, man. Hammer, it was uh, – and then I'm big into Spartans, right? So I love the Greek mythology and, and the Egyptians and all that, right? Uh, so when Lorenzo came out with that Spartan on his helmet, I liked him a little bit after that, right? I was like, dude, that's so badass. Like, you can't – and then, then he came out and said one time that uh, he, he listens to – a certain part of the movie is Spartan sometimes to get him hyped up before he goes out there. Uh, the movie 300, and I was like, dude, he's such a badass. I mean, right? That, that mentality, like, yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. So, uh, favorite out of your current riders right now, who, who would that be? Um, current riders, geez. I'll go for Miller because he's Aussie because I don't particularly have one that really stands out from the Miller. <laughs> Proper, right? Yes, I'm a, I'm a huge uh, Miller and Bender fan. Um, yeah. I like Bazzetti. Uh, Bazzetti, I like Bazzetti because like he reminds me a lot of uh, my man Marco Simicelli. I, I know you see my, my, my oh, wow. Simicelli tattoo. Yeah, I got a big old Marco Simicelli tattoo. That, um, wow. So I met Marco in 08 at Indy the first year at Indy and uh, at a restaurant, and we ended up hanging out. Uh, 
what I mean by hanging out is I asked for his autograph and got a picture. And then he asked me what I was doing. And I was like, I just got done eating. Like, I'm, I don't even know what to say. Like, I'm standing here talking to Marco, right? Says, well, I'm walking to my hotel. Why don't you just walk with us or whatever? And I was like, okay. So we just, man, we, it was such a surreal conversation because we didn't talk nothing about motorcycles, you know, Indiana and basketball and all this other stuff. Um, playing cards because he likes to play cards a lot. Um, and then every time I seen him at the track, it was always, I was like, Marco. And he'd always come up to me. Was, yeah, a, a surreal. But uh, Bezzecchi reminds me of, of Marco in, in, in a sense, right? And I'll never forget uh, when Marco Simicelli and Jorge Lorenzo had that beef. Man, what race was that? I think it was 2010 or 2011 at, during a press conference. And Lorenzo was like, if you do that again on track, I'm going to get you. And Marco was like, I will be arrested. Right. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's, yeah, that's proper, man. We don't have that no more in MotoGP, right? Everybody's no. huggy, huggy, kissy, kissy, yada, yada. Right. I mean, I get it, but I want to see that uh, raw energy, right? That, mm, yeah. Yeah. That same thing they used to do. Like, yeah. Okay. I will be arrested. Right. That's, <laughs> Dude, I, yeah, that's that's a classic, man. It really is. It is. <laughs> All right, so uh World Superbike, favorite rider in World Superbike. Um close between probably I'd say top rack, but I've always previously been a Johnny Ray guy. Um so yeah, either one of the two. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a Ray fan too, man. I do like Top Rack, but man, I, I got a poster on my wall. You guys can't see it, but it's of, I guess, Cadwell Park, Johnny Ray on the Red Bull coming over the, the mountain jump, right? Yeah, I got that right here on my wall, man. Yeah, so like, I've been a huge, huge Johnny Ray fan, man. I'm glad to see him jump ship. I think he's going to do well on the Yamaha, but... Dude, yeah, we're, we're approaching this hour, Mark. I know you're busy. Uh, I know it's probably dinner time there, or, or you probably already ate dinner, right? No, I've got after. I've actually been uh, from uh, team coming around for dinner tonight, a little Christmas dinner before I, I head away. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's going to come around for a feed later. Proper, man, proper. So, listen, but. Uh, before we get off here, uh, tell everybody listening, uh, this will be out tomorrow on iHeartRadio, Spotify, everywhere but Apple. I mean, it'll be on Sanyo's, Samsung, Google. It's everywhere but Apple. Um, okay, cool. But uh, why don't you tell everybody, Brayden, uh, how they can follow. And do, do you have any merch? Like, do, do you sell any merch or do you have like a, a club, Brayden? People I'm can join? To now, at the moment, I'm trying to launch it. When I do, um, it'll definitely be on my website, which is just bradenelliot.com.au. Uh, if people are keen on, like, our racing merchandise, if you jump on their website, it's DAO Racing. Yeah, you can get all that sort of stuff, um, and they've got literally everything, I'm pretty sure, which is pretty cool, and it's good stuff. Um, but, no, for all my personal stuff, like, if anyone wants to keep updated and keep an eye on what I'm up to, um, definitely Facebook, Instagram, um, just Braden Elliott 51 or Braden Elliott Racing. And, yeah, we really appreciate a follow and try and keep everyone posted and, yeah, and appreciate all the uh, followers for sure. Man, you guys heard it, man. Get on there. I don't know what you're doing right now, but get on all the social media and follow my man, Braden, man. Show him nothing but all the love and support. It's, it's, it's man, what an honor, Braden. I can't believe I'm still sitting here talking to Braden Elliott. Yes, dude, my day is proper it, it is and listen uh uh we'll end this here in a minute brady just stay on with me for like a second okay uh 
uh, well, after I end it. But listen, I just want to say a, a big thank you to everybody uh, out there that always watches and likes and subscribes to Pendergast. It, it means a lot. It really does. Big shout out to my man, Jake Marsh. Um, do you know Jake Marsh, Braden? I don't think so, no. Okay, well, he races in the GP2 class. Um, he actually, this is his T-shirt right here behind me. Oh, nice. Okay. Look, and he, he he runs pin the gas on it, man. I'm on his bike and everything. So yeah, yeah. This is uh yeah. Big shout out to uh to to Jake um and his dad Peter and their whole race team. And then um you heard of the clothing kings, haven't you? I think I have, yeah. I'm, I think. Well, he also makes merchandise, right? So if you, Braden, personally need any merchandise made, dude, he has a partnership program. I'm telling you, dude, you need to check it out, dude, if that's something you're interested in. Um, but we could talk about that here in a minute. But anyway, listen, again, thank you, everybody, that that watches, likes, and subscribes. This episode will be out tomorrow morning on all your major uh, listening platforms but Apple right now, um, which will be on soon. And uh, we did finally go live on LinkedIn, too. Rated by the way, as the podcast is going, it popped up. So, uh, yeah, so you guys can uh, watch this live now on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn, which is pretty cool, right? But anyway, thank you guys so much. What an honor it is to be here today to sit down with the legend himself, Braden Elliott, DAO Kawasaki, British Superbike Racing 2024. Let's go. Until next time, I'm your host, Chris the Show Simcoe, my man, Braden Elliott. We will see you guys soon. Thanks, mate. Thanks, bro. I really...